yo, Internet. This is your man, Combat Jack, and you are listening to the Combat Jack Show podcast. What's up, A-King? Yeah, I'm good, man. How you? Um, I'm a little um embarrassed, man. Like, I can't believe y'all niggas let me come on the Combat Jack Show <laughs> last episode, you know. You was, I guess. Powered off the... um. Powered off the, you know, the Tito's. Shout out to Artie and Johnny. You know, you know they, you know, these next couple of episodes are sponsored by Tito's. Um, but like how we had like just our friends in here. We had Avion, we had Mika, we had, you know, a man Julius, we had you, we had Mena. How are we talking about so much personal shit, man? I think it's time, man. Sometimes you just gotta let loose. Yeah. You know, we've all per- been just dealing with a lot of professional and personal shit. Yeah. And it's cool to just give that back to the internet because they, you know, everybody want to get a sneak peek anyway, right? Nah, nah, but this was a little more left. I mean, I mean, I think we used to go there back in the day. Yeah. When we had Dallas and Premium and, and Ben Hamine I mean. and Matt Raz and Just Blaze on the show. But I think, I don't think I ever went that deep because even my situation was different than it is now. That's true too. So y'all, y'all had me talking all types of flip. Well, yeah, you know what? Let me be a <laughs> I was out here talking all types of crazy shit. Big up yourself. Big up yourself and, and mango juice all over your face <laughs> and all types of shit and, 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 and you know, seeing the DMs and trying Late. to send me the ladies. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> y'all really feel like that? But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway what I'm going to say is, man, like, you know, I felt real insecure about being candid. Like, we became such a guest-driven show that we moved so away from, like, opening up that door and letting people look into our personal lives. Yeah. How would you feel about going that, that, that open, man? That raw, King? It was a little... It was different, man. You know, I was trying to listen to the episode uh, again, and I just was in third person, just like, "What are you doing? Like, don't don't say that." But I already said it. You know what I mean? So I mean, it, but afterwards, though, it, we got to do it more, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And so why not? This is this is what a podcast, you know, is supposed to be. This yeah. is what it was. Like you 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 said earlier, like this is what we used to do anyway. You know, yeah. sometimes we get caught up in the interview shit yeah. and we kind of. Internet. If you haven't yet, go listen to our last episode. You know, be clear. It's not safe for work. I'm saying, put that. Make sure if you got kids, put that shit on the headphones. It's called the Game is the Game episode of the Combat Joke, Combat Jack Show. And I really enjoyed it, man. I yeah. really enjoyed it. We have any announcements, man? Um, we're postponing our September 14th yes. Highline Ballroom uh, episode. I want to get into it. It's kind of one of those things where my hands are tied. Right. Um, we had a very super big major guest on that on that live show. Yeah. But but we because of their conflict, we couldn't promote it. Yep. And I'm like, how the fuck do you promote such a big name without being able to promote it? Right. So I was like, at the end of the day, you know what? Let's just postpone it. Yeah. When they don't have any conflicts, and we'll, we'll come back. And, and we'll come. We got some other shit coming on. Yep. What else? Um, A3C A- festival A- coming up. A3C man, I'm looking forward to sitting yeah. down face to face. With, Steve. With, with Steve Rifkin. Crazy. You know I'm saying a, a legend. We got another legend in the room, too. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying by yep. the name of Steve. Yep. You know what I'm saying, and, and of the same hue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I've, I've, I've admired this man from, from, from close and afar because over the past 25, 30 years, I, I've watched him craft, you know, this, the foundation or at least the structure, the skeleton and the bone and the flesh and the meat of this thing that, you know, we tend to call it culture, but mm. this man has had influence. From like the days that I was getting into this music industry on the on the East Coast to tapping into the West Coast and down South Midwest. and West. Like this man has blanketed the entire country with culture. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Combat Jack Show, Mr. Steve Lobel. What's up, sir? What's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. You sound so crystal clear on the <laughs> microphone right now. I might as well start rapping. <laughs> I, I, wait, you have a rap record, don't you? Yeah. 
Is uh, it, is, is, have y'all ever published it, or is it somewhere? No, it's about to come out. Me, Map Fingers, Scott Storch is rapping. Khalil Beats did the beat. So what are you doing on the record? I'm rapping. You're rapping? Yeah. You're rapping. Yeah, I'm trying to get the lyrics set over so I can at least, you know, say a line or two. Are these ghost-written raps, or are these your raps? <clears throat> yeah, someone wrote it. Really? Written for me, yeah. Can you drop a bar right now? I'm waiting for him to send me the lyrics okay. so I can okay. rap. <laughs> yo, yo, is this going to be a first? Are we going to have like a this? first. This is wow. an exclusive. Yo, a Steve, first, how man. are you, man? I'm blessed, man. Um, <clears throat> Back in New York. Yeah. <clears throat> came to say, uh, got allergies. Yeah. But I uh, came, you know, spent some time with my dad, OG Ted, and do some business, and, um, Stayed on top of you guys and followed up, and now Thank I'm you. sitting here. Thank you. You don't take no for an answer. I don't take no not, for an answer, man. Not that we ever gave you a no, but you don't take no for an <laughs> right. answer. Right. You know, the key the key is to follow up. Yeah. You know, and never take no for an answer. Right. And if I didn't follow up, I wouldn't be sitting here right yes, now. Yes, sir. So, you know, a lot of people don't know. Like, I mean, a lot. I think people in the industry and close to the industry know your legacy. But people don't know that, that you know, that, that you've graced the, 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 um, Phenomena that was run DMC or Bone Thugs or, or, you know, Tupac and the Outlaws or, you know what I'm saying? Scott Storch or let's, let's get into this history, man. First and foremost, what's up with the tough teddy bear now? Like, what is that, man? Uh, you know, I did Millionaire Matchmaker twice, yes. the reality show on Bravo. Yeah. So Patty Stanger gave me the name, uh, tough teddy bear. Yeah. Cause you know, on the outside, I come off tough or intimidated, intimidate people. That's that Queens thing. But inside, I'm, you know, I'm a teddy bear. I'm a nice guy. You just don't disrespect me or violate me. But um, like you said, I started in the the, the, the game with the late, great Jam Master J right. from you, Run DMC. You grew up in Queens. Yeah, I grew up in Queens. What part of Queens? Um, Jamaica, Queens. I went okay. to Jamaica High School. Okay. And I started in the game with, you know, late, great Jam Master J and Run DMC, mentored by Russell Simmons. But but you, you're moving too fast, man. Okay. You, you're moving too fast. Let's, let's cook this. No problem. Stew. Let's cook this stew, man. You grew up in Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. You weren't the best student. Not at all. You were you you were kind of fucking up in school. Yes, but it's not because you were a fuck up. No, because you know what it was like. I, I was drinking an orange sunken soda every morning in a Snickers bar, and that sugar got to me so much that by the second period I had to get out of school. Right, and I just couldn't and, sit and, in class. And back then we didn't even know it was all about the diet. Nope. But I I think I would imagine that it's even more because just looking at your trajectory and your your, your career, I would think that maybe you probably too smart for school back in the day. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's okay. just at that moment, you know, I just couldn't sit in class. Um, I'm self-taught. I did get a GD. I feel like I'm self-made. Been working since I'm like nine years old, right. deli- delivering newspapers, raking leaves, shoveling snow. Uh, worked as a busboy. And so, growing up in Queens at that time, man, what was what was the landscape like, man? Like, was it was what was the <clears throat> demographic like? Was it like changing demographics? Was there white flight or was like? Well, tell, tell us. I mean, growing up in Queens, you know, shell toes. You know, Pumas, Lees, Levi's, um, Guidos, you know, Afro-Americans, Latinos. I grew up with everybody. Um, Queens is just that, you know, that borough. Yeah. A lot, a lot of legends came out of Queens and still coming out of Queens. Did you know Queens was special at the time or did you just take it for granted? Um, I don't think I took it for granted, but I didn't know how special it was, especially when it came to hip hop. Right. You know, it's crazy, man, because coming from Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying, that Brooklyn pride is unfuckwittable. Like, like you ask me, I, I'll say the greatest MCs of all time came out of Brooklyn. But when I look over my shoulder and I look at the fucking legacy of Queens, I'm like, what the fuck is in the water of Queens? You know what I'm saying? From, I mean, you start from Russell, you start from L, you start from Run DMC to... 50 and still it's like what the fuck Nas, Mob Deep, Tribe Called Quest the, you know Molly Mall 
Marley Mall, exactly. You know what I'm saying? What is it about Queens that breeds so many legends, man? I don't know. Maybe it's the uh, the Adidas. Right. <laughs> I heard that it was the fact that I heard it was the fact that even though Queens is definitely solidly one of the five boroughs, um, it still kind of has a suburban s type of vibe to it. So you kind of have a little bit more room to breathe creatively with motherfuckers unless you really like in, in the QB like in, the, in in Queensbridge you're not on top of everybody exactly like, like most of know, close to Long Island yeah you could definitely breathe a little bit better yeah what was your first hip hop experience Supreme Team from Queens mm-hmm. you know yeah, um, Supreme Team you know rest in peace Black Just shout yeah. out Fat Cap Happy Mason that, shout out that's to Chaz, another, Chaz Williams and Chaz Williams yeah. my man Bimmy um, my first hip hop experience was probably you know Sucker MCs really yeah Sucker MCs or maybe the Sugar Hill Gang. Right, okay. You know, going to uh, roll skate and laces in right. Long Island. Laces. Yeah. Right. And to that. Um, and then, you know, the real experience was probably going to Rush Management and Def Jam back in the days of Elizabeth Street. <clears throat> How did, okay, so you grew up with, with Jam Master Jam? Yeah, we run DMC and Jam Master so Jam. So talk yeah. about that. Like, like, at what point were y'all connected? Like, was it grade school? Was it high school? And, and you know, again, I apologize for because my allergies. Um, like, no worries. Like man. junior high school, high school. Okay. And, um, you know, I grew up with some guys that, <clears throat> you know, we're in the streets. My man Mustafa, my man Dave Seabrook, everybody knows him from, you know, having a baby with Carrie Govano for Mob Wives. Mm-hmm. My man Shamik, rest in peace. You know, so we all just, you know, hung out. And, you know, like I said, like black, white, Spanish, we could all hang out together. So it was Because great. in a sense, and back then, like, I mean, definitely like for, like I went to a predominantly white high school. And so, so the white boys in that high school, they, you could tell, they had no connection to the culture. So they was on that yeah. disco suck shit, even <laughs> not even knowing that that hip hop was popping. But if you were in a certain clique back in New York City, like you didn't know who the fuck and you didn't. I didn't know what a Puerto Rican was. I thought a Puerto Rican was just a wilder white boy. So you have white boys and you have Puerto Ricans and, and blacks in the same clique. But that's what made up the foundation of this culture. Yeah, I, I went to Jamaica High School, so it was dominantly Afro-American. Right. And, you know, white boys were getting robbed for their Tims or their shell toes or their bomber jackets. You know, the shot bomber jackets, yeah, yeah, the foreign, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, I was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I guess it's a respect thing. But, um, <clears throat> you know, and then and then the, the best story, I mean, like I said, going to Rush Management, Def Jam back in the days and just watching Leo Cohen and Rick but, Rubin. But, 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 but you still, you're still moving too fast. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, You're still moving too fast. In in school, when, you, when, you, when you're around, you know, Jay and Run. And D, like, what do you are you do? Are you seeing these guys clip it clicking up? Do you realize these guys are gonna be rappers? You guys are gonna be these guys are gonna be in a Mount Rushmore hip hop? Are you just like, oh, those some cool nah? Guys? And they clicked up. They clicked up probably before I even met them. Right. You know, um, they from blocks next to each right. other. You Did know, you know they rapped? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. And you know, Jay used to always you know DJ and you know they used to go to Jay's mom's basement and stuff like that. Right. <clears throat> so. You know, like everybody used to say that, you know, hip hop would be a fad. Right. And, you know, it's 42 years old now. Yeah. And, you know, people used to laugh at Russell Simmons, but I always knew it was going to go. So you see these guys. And then when's it went, like between that, that time and when you hear sucker MCs, like you heard it on the radio? Did they play <clears throat> for you? Like I heard, on, I heard it on the radio. Right. And did you know it was them? Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was them. And, you know, my relationship was more with Jam Master J. Like what kind of relationship <clears throat> was it? When we used to go to Nick Games together. Okay. We used to go to Giants games, watch Pepper Johnson. Right, right. <clears throat> we used to hang out, go to clubs. Right. You know, Jay was that guy. So, you know, my relationship was with him, even though I had a great relationship with running D. Right. But they were into their own thing. Right. So it was more so Jay. And when he discovered 50 Cent, right. discovered Onyx yeah. and the group The Family. Right. 
jail felony. I know I'm moving quick, but okay. you know, <clears throat> sometimes I forget things. I hadn't had the Kanye West uh, yeah, party Kanye, in Louis Vuitton Kanye, store. Kanye, Kanye owed you some money, right? Yeah, yeah. so a shelf fell in the Louis Vuitton store. Kanye's thirtieth birthday. So you know, like I said, I was going to Def Jam. The Def Jam parties back in the days were amazing. Crazy, so, oh, wait, right, man, right, right. I'm all over the place. How right? did you get to Rush? Do Jam Master Jay. What do you say? Like, how? What, what's nah, the conversation? I'm going to the office. Yeah, come on. Oh, so you just this, this, this go to the office. So you get to the office, and this is Elizabeth Street back. Yeah. Then. And, and and what do you see? I just see a lot of action. Right. You know, I just see music stuff going on. I was up with Profile Records because Run DMC was signed to Profile Records. Right. So was DJ Quick. Right. So was the rapper Nine. Mm -hmm. So I'd be up at Profile Records, and I'm like, I need one of those Profile Records, you know, the black with the green sleeve. Yeah. I need a Def Jam jacket. And I was just around all that stuff and going to parties. So you were just around. I was just around, like, what is my position going to be? Right. Because at the end of the day, like, I didn't know anything right. about the music business. I'm just friends. And you don't, and I, I would imagine as quick as your mind is and as industrious as you are, since you've worked since you were nine years old, you're like, this shit is cool. Like, this is the coolest shit ever. I'm getting all this paraphernalia. Def Jam jacket back then was, was, wow. was more, was worth more than the, your fattest that was Cuban. A crown. Like, you know, that shit, when I got my Def Jam jacket, mm. like, it was weird because I'd be up in any hood and I knew that cats at any moment could stick me for it, but at the same time, motherfuckers would like, Yo, who the fuck are you? I was just like, I'm just an intern. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, so anyway, like, so at what point does it become like, what point do you get a gig out of this? Well, you know, they used to make the windbreaker jackets. Yes. My dad even got a Def Jam jacket. Russell got him one. But you were right because my dad would wear it. Yeah. And he'd be in the malls and people would want to come and want to rap to him. Like, oh my God. Well, my mother, rest in peace, would say, don't wear the jacket. You might get robbed. <laughs> so you were right. And paraphernalia back then. From the labels, man, it, was, I, it was rare. No, I got, nobody was in the industry. I got boxes of promo shirts still this day, brand new, because that what they would do back in the days, and just little tchotchkes we called, just yeah. little cool stuff. But again, and I would go on the road, run DMC. I'll never forget the first tour was like the Tougher Than Another tour, EPMD, Public Enemy, um, Run DMC, LL Cool J, and I always was like, where can I get in and fit in? Um, so you're just on the tour, just tagging along. I'm just tagging along, but I would drive the van, right. carry bags, not do whatever. Not working. Nah. Right. Just doing whatever. I just thought it was cool as hell to be around this, but then I was like, how am I going to get some money? So eventually, I opened up some bars in Union Turnpike, Queens, near St. John's University. How the fuck do you open bars? <clears throat> well, when I was a kid, I was bussing tables, and I became a waiter, and a lot of other things that I'm saving for my book, what I used to yeah. do. And then I told the owner of the, the, the restaurant I used to work, I'm going to buy this place. And he told me, you're out of your mind. And I bought it at 20 years old. It was called Frankie and Johnny's. All right, all right, all right, right. House, right? Excuse me? How? Uh, you know, I bought the place. <laughs> okay. Am I asking too much? <laughs> no. Okay. I bought the place with, you know, money. Right. And um, I had a partner. Okay. And uh, we called it Frankie and Johnny's after Frank Viola and John Frank of the pictures oh, the from Mets. the Mets. Yeah. Then I had another place down the block from St. John's called the Sports Library. Um, People now go to St. John's know it as Iguanas, you know? So... I was doing that, and then Onyx was always coming to hang out. So they wanted to find this white rapper like a Marky Mark. So we it, used was Onyx established yet, or what? Yeah, still yeah. I mean, I met them when they were cutting hair, and they, you know, they were dancers and shit. All that yeah. blonde hair and yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. And rest in peace to Big B, Big DS. Yeah. Um. So I used to work with <clears throat> Big DS, man. Yeah, man. Good, good guys, yeah. man. I still used to stick in uh, Fredro. Yeah. And um, they wanted a white rapper, so we used my bar to cast the, the white rapper. And then he found him. Who was, wrote, the white, who was the white I man? forgot his name. Yeah, they, yeah. they they wrote this exercise song, and Jay was involved. He produced it, and it was going to go. And then a guy named Ed Frank used to work 
from St. John's fraternity on my bars on the weekends. So he was like, I work in relativity with a guy named Alan Grumblet. You should bring it over there. So they went over there, and Jay was like, yo, you should come because we met the guy through you. So I went over there, and Alan Grumble was like, hey, you want a job? Just like that? Yeah, he goes, I like your style. And I'm like, job? What was your style? I don't know. I was I was no filter. Didn't yeah. give a fuck. Said what I had to say and just like my style. And then Jay was like, man, take advantage of me in a good way. Always told me that, you know, take advantage of me in a good way. And shit, get in there. So I got in there. And I didn't even ask about the pay or the job title. I was like, you know, fuck it. How was the pay? And at that time, just so you know, I got in a car accident. So I sold all my businesses. And my partner was on coke. And I had put a gun to his head. And I spun the barrel in the back alley and almost killed him. I was like, you know what? I can't I can't do this no more. Right. So I sold everything. And then I got that job. And it, it, I didn't even, it wasn't even really no pay. But I was getting paid, but it wasn't no intern. Right. And I would go around. Back then, we had independent record stores in New York. And I would get on the train, and I would go to all the independent record stores all over the five boroughs. Remember back then we had the Wiz? Yes. And so many, you know, things were down to Coliseum, Jamaica Rab. And I would just, you know, check on retail and stock. And I always always ask these uh, stores, like, you know, what's hot? Is anybody coming in with any cassettes or any new music? So you were tracking. You were basically doing SoundScan shit before SoundScan became official. <laughs> exactly. And writing shit down. And I was like, I can't do this shit, man. And. I have no patience. Next thing you that know. That shit sounds boring as fuck, though. Yeah, but you know what? It was cool because I was in all different boroughs. I was mean people. I'm a people's person. And it was just cool. So then... um You would go back to Allen with these numbers. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I'd be more creative with it and let them know what's selling, what's not. We need to do this. We need to do that. And then Allen was like, you should do the whole country. And there's independent record stores all around the country. So I was calling George's Music Room in Chicago, Squeaky D's in Cleveland, down in Houston. I was just calling these stores like, how's this selling, that selling? And Alan would let me travel to these places. And then I was meeting different people. So and, did it get more exciting once you started traveling yeah, and, it, and meeting people in the whole nine? Yeah, it definitely got exciting. And he would let me go to like, you know, How Can I Be Downs and Jack the Rappers and yeah, stuff. Yeah. You start meeting a lot of people. Um, and then, you know, Fat Joe had to go on a promo run. And Fat Joe was signed to uh, Relati Relativity. Relativity at the time. And uh, Pun was his hype man. Right. How was a young Fat Joe at the time, man? I mean, to me, cool as hell. Right. But wild. Right. And respected. And uh, they, Alan would send me on the road. We'd go to a Master Pico, Long Island. And a lot of people know the Fantastics. And we used to go rent the Fantastic, the custom vans. And we'd go on promo runs back then. And um, Pun was Joe's hype man. I think Cuban Link was in the van with us. Full flex, rest in peace, Joe's manager at the time. Raul T.S., uh, Prospect, Armageddon, Triple Sace, and we hit the road. And I'm sure Pun wasn't as big as, like... I, no, he was. He, nah, he was physically heavy, like, physically heavy. Right. Let's talk about, like, like because you, 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 we, we're jumping errors. We, we're talking about, you know, Run DMC era, and we're talking Fat Joe, but talk about the energy of those shows, man. <clears throat> the what, it, what it was like and how it was so different than it is today. I mean, you, you know, you watch, you know, Run go, whose house? Run's house. Or, you know, hold up a shell toe. Were you there that night? Yeah, and see all those people, like, you're just like, whoa. You know, the energy was just ridiculous. And again, I was in the 80s. Right. So it was just different. And um, I just felt like I said, like, the culture kept going and going and going. And it was just amazing. It was a high. I never did drugs, but it was a high. I'm like, wow, this is amazing, man. This is crazy, man. And, and I you're said, backstage, so you're seeing man, shit. I'm on stage, I'm backstage, right. I'm sitting on speakers, all yeah. types of shit. So let me ask you something, man. Like... As as the as the guy that sticks out, as one of the guys that stick out, like particularly like with 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 with, with run with the run crew, like what what was your groupie game like, my dude? <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I, I was I'll be honest with you, man. I, some parts of me are shy. 
So I wasn't, I was never into groupies, man. Right. Never? I swear to God, man, I was never. When, I know they into were throwing that. it at you. Yeah, but they I were never. Them young panties at you. I never was into that because not at that age, but as I got older, I was always in relationships, and right. I didn't want that karma. Right. So I was always about my business, and I always my father always told me when you're doing business, people, you know, you don't play around. So you don't drink, you don't do drugs, you don't chase girls, you handle your business. So any artist that I've worked with will tell you like I handle my business, and I don't mix the business with the pleasure. Right. So even at that young age, dude, because at yeah. that young age, no, none of us are really thinking. Man, yeah, and and a lot of us, or some of us, not all of us, had the fortune to have like strong father figures like you did. But at the same time, you you some of us did have those like don'ts and do's. Discernment. And was like, we're not doing that. Like, fuck it, y'all y'all don't know what this tour life shit is. I'd be nervous because you know you're going into these different cities, and you know there's always gangsters in every city, so you gotta be on point. I right. always tell rappers that I work with, like, remember we go into this club, someone else's city is gonna be a few haters in the side that might want to get at us. Right. So you go, you know, and that tall life is a gift and a curse because I brought the most gangsterous dudes on the road and they fell for it. They got caught up with everything that the road brings to you. I went on the road and I just enjoyed the road and traveled the world and sightseed and tried different foods around the world. And I was just always on point. And I would always want to go. Jay J used to always want to go to the gyms and do pickup games for basketball, go to the malls and shop. And we just walk around network. And even when I was on the road with any other artist, a promo tour, I would do the same thing. You know, you're, you're, you're blessed, man, because not only was your pops, is your pops an amazing role model, but, you know, you, you, you were mentored by some of the greats. Like, a lot of cats don't know. It's funny, I had a conversation with Michael Bivens a couple of years ago, and he was talking about how he was just a kid. He was just real happy to be, like, the headliner and, like, you know, because rap shows couldn't get, you know, the bill. So, Run D, I'm so, um, New Edition would open up the show for, for a lot of, like, the legends. I mean, Jay and Mike were real close. Yeah, so, but but Mike Bivens talks about how, to this day, he wouldn't be the mogul that he is if it wasn't for Jam Master Jay pulling him aside and was like, "Yo, how many points are you getting?" And he was like, "Yo, I learned so much." So so talk about like the the mentorship that you got from Jay, man. It's funny because a lot of people that I run in throughout the decades that know me from Jay is like, "Man, he gave me so many gems." Even when Easy E died with Bone Thugs, and I know we're going all over the place, but Jay mentored Bone Thugs when Easy died. That's crazy. But, you know, I always tell everybody that people should have a mentor or a mentee. You know, Russell Simmons is a mentor of mine. My dad, Jay was more of a friend. Right. Um, he didn't so he mentor. was giving you gems that was, was just soaking gems. in easily, not like, yo, this is what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, parts of life like as an OG right. or a friend would do in the hood or growing up with someone. A lot of times these younger generation kids, they're not getting mentored or the OGs ain't schooling them or and not teaching them and listening. And then, you know, I grew up with integrity and principles and morals and loyalty, and I still live by that to this day. So I feel like everybody should have a mentor. And I do a lot of motivational speaking right. in juvenile halls and in colleges and high schools. And I tell people, like, follow someone that you love or like. Get to know them and learn from them and be like them, admire them, educate yourself about what they've done and what they've been through. So it's very important to have a mentor. I mean, but you had several. You had Russell. Like, what, what kind? Like, what was what was Russell's style like compared to Jam Master Jay's? I used to sit there and watch him. I idolized him. You know, he he laughs around now and he says I'm the white Russell Simmons, but I idolized Russell. I idolized him that he was always himself. Right, always, and right, always. From 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 drugged out, cigarette smoke, scruffy ass beard to fucking yogi, vegan meditation. That's He's always, always himself when he sees me. Like, what's up, my nigga? Like. Right. He says that around any type of person. Like they look at him, like what did you just say to him? Like, and he's always told me like be yourself at all times. And you know, if you remember Russell, he'll walk into places, black tie affairs, and just have Adidas on, yeah, still, and being himself. Right. 
And that's what I try to tell people in life. Be yourself at all times. Like people who know me know I don't change. I'm a leader, not a follower. I don't change with the times and the trends and, and the music and stuff. I try to be true to who I am because of that integrity. And it's a gift and a curse sometimes. But I used to idolize Russell, man. Just watch him like, damn, like, fuck. You know what I mean? I mean, it's ill, man. Like, like you know, when I think back, like I always say from our generation, the best who ever did it in terms of like the impact was Puff. But when you really look at Russell, man, like that dude is, he's got to be the patron saint of this music, this rap music business thing. And, and, and still doing it. Yeah. That's the thing. See, I tell people I'm a dinosaur, but I'm Fossilville because I continue to keep doing it. And, you know, I did an interview the other day and they were talking about Lonzo Ball talking about Nas. I said, okay, Nas' music might not be relevant at the moment for the younger generation, but he's relevant because he got that restaurant he's opening and he got the clothing line and he's got, um, he discovered Dave East, so to speak. So you could stay relevant in different ways. Russell Simmons is, he might not be in the music business at Def Jam, but he's doing movies and TV shows and he's got all Def Digital and so on. All of that shit, yeah. So, you know, but that guy. That guy's like the Godfather because Puff looked up to him, Jay Z yeah. looked up to him, a lot of people looked up. Of course. So, 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 Jam Master Jay is giving you like gems about the business. Russell is giving you gems about your personality and how to move and not to change and be comfortable in your skin. What's Leor teaching you? I mean, Leor, I was. I Leor's was, a fucking beast. Let me tell you something. I was petrified of him. Yo, now, now that's crazy. You know what's crazy? You hear the most thug, gangster, hardcore cats. In the game, all of them at a certain point was terrified of Leo. What, what, what was, what's terrifying to Leo, man? I'm not intimidated by nobody, right. but I was intimidated by him. Wow. I just ran into him last week in L.A. And it's, it's uh, scary how he's such a different dude right yeah, now. Yeah, different now, yeah. but back then he was just a shock. Yeah. He was just an Israeli, like, cut your head off. Right. Like, you tell you, get the fuck out the office or... And you got yo, the fuck out. And, yeah, or, yeah. hold on. Like, I, I wanted to say, like, fuck you too, but you don't. Yeah. It was just this aura of him, like, you're just, you're fucking nervous. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've never been intimidated by no one but God, man. And I was intimidated by him. But, man, anytime I was able to ear hustle and at the time Kathy was assistant. Yes. I mean, Kathy, and, you know, you try to sneak in officers, listen and hear him on the phone and you're sitting outside in the lobby. Like any gem you can get from that fucking guy you want to get because, you know, he did a lot of a lot of stuff for hip hop. Um, You know, and then one day, like, I remember this man, Jam Master Chad, told Leor, like, Leor, you want to get that done? With such and such, and I'm saying that for my book, man, you need to deal with Steve Lobel. And next day, man, it was a $25,000 check in a Rolex at my hotel. What? The Lamontros in L.A., man. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah, he sent it to me to get the job done. Yo, what was it like back then, man? Because I, I had a different perspective. Like, I was just a fucking scrub at Def Jam back in the day. And this is when Russell was investing everything in third base. And I know you speak highly of Search, man, but, like, what was your relationship like with, with, with Search? Because even, you say he gave you jazz, but he was such a young cat in the game at the time. Yeah, you know, you know, we idolize each other. We white boys, yeah. Jewish guys, you know, and being in the hip-hop game. So me and Search, nothing but mutual respect. And, you know, Pete Nice. But, you know, Search, after he, you know, he rapped and did all his things, he opened a company called Searchlight. Yes. And I worked with him. Which, which, you know, Searchlight discovered, yeah. like, helped propel Nas. So I worked with Search on that, and I still speak to Search, you know, till this day. I love Search, and um, he did a lot for this culture. And, um, and you know, he, he he's another guy, if you really listen to him, got a lot of gems. Yeah. He's been through a lot. Yeah, he's been you through You know, and he did help discover Nas. You know, it's facts. Him and Faith Newman, I believe. Yes. Um. So how do you switch up your gears, man, and go from working with Relativity and doing all this shit with Alan? 
to deciding, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit the road on my own as a manager. And why the fuck would you manage? Because that's the most thankless. That and the, I would say that and being an attorney got to be the two most thankless jobs in the game. Well, you know, back then. A good attorney. Back then, you know, like <laughs> when you messing with Run DMC and you're a New Yorker and then you start traveling with them, you're like, man, it's a different ballgame in New York. But I was. How so? I, I mean, just like the music, the dress. You know, I was blessed and fortunate to work with Mac Mall from the Bay Area. He was right. signing Relativity. Yeah. I feel like he's the West, the Bay Area Nas. I was blessed to work with Drew Down. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I used to fuck with Drew Down. Major. I was. It was funny. I was driving to L.A. today the other day, and I'm, his record came on. Return. You know. You know. Return of the Mac. Yeah. Um. You know. I worked with the Loonies. Mm, you know. Wow. People don't even notice, but I uh, put Fat Joe on one of their songs and Reverend Run on one of their songs. So. And then, you know, being in L.A., because, and again, we're going all over the place, but just follow, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth. But I went to L.A. and uh, with Eazy-E. What was your first impression of L.A., man? Because New York was so, like, L.A. was so, it was like going to Mars. I'm like, the weather's amazing. Right. The weather's amazing. And, you know, I was blessed to work with Eazy-E because Ruthless Records was going through relativity. And people don't even notice, but at Band Clan was Will I Am. He was signed to Ruthless. And then easy introduced me to Bone Thugs, and I'm still to this day working with Bone Thugs and Harmony, which is five guys, right. which is not easy. And then again, working in Relativity, the Beat Nuts and MOP, Frankie Cutlass. Um, and then the South, the Suave House, Tony Draper, mm. 8 Ball and MJG, Mr. Mike, Tila, South Circle. Amazing. And then the Midwest with the Dayton family. You know what I mean? So I was able to work with different artists. And Alan, and, Alan had an ear. But, but, but what's but how's your perspective changing as a as a fucking Queens dude who comes from the golden era that fucks with the like I said like that whole rush Run DMC Def Jam profile movement when you start seeing the rest of the world man what's are you are you are you 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 gotta admit to me admit this we 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 kind of the same age right come from the I'm same I'm fifty one I'll be fifty two in November we come from the same era as a New Yorker back then you heard some shit that was from Jersey or Philly you was like that shit is whack. Right? Right. Being, wait, a New, wait, wait, being a New Yorker. When I first heard you, Bone Thugs, it's a thuggish, ruggish bone. You're like, what the fuck is this? This is caca. What is this? <laughs> yeah. you know, what is this? Yeah. Because you're so ignorant or self-centered or just fucking, you know, New York. And that's why New York is the hardest place to break another artist because New Yorkers are the worst. Yeah. We, now, we the dinosaurs. But but anyway, how does your perspective change? I mean, my perspective said, I'm like, wow, the fucking United States hmm. is so, nice. It's so big. It's big. It's nice. So it's different. New York is so small. Yes. But, you know, New York was the Mecca. Right. But there was so many people doing their thing, like E-40 and Too Short in the Bay Area selling out the trunks. And then when you travel the world, that's a whole nother ballgame. Like, then you start saying, like, you know, it's cool to go in different... I, I've seen every state and city in this country numerous amount of times. And again, you know, there's great things to see in a lot of these places. But once you start seeing the world, I saw the world off Sean Kingston. I worked with Sean Kingston for years. So I saw the world from him and then doing bar mitzvahs. I'm Jewish and Sean's performing the bar mitzvahs. I'm like, damn. So all you artists out there, that bar mitzvah money's no joke. That bar mitzvah money is no joke, huh? You know, and then we, we found that kid, Ayaz, Shorty's like a melody. I seen the world with him. Then I found this kid named Man and I partnered up with Zach Katz and J.R. Road and we did that song Buzzing and 50 Cent jumped on that record. I feel like money attracted to you. So that that was global. So those three kids started seeing the world. And then, you know, I've helped out, you know, Ty Dollar and YG and um, 
and Soldier Boy. You know, people don't even know this story, but YG, YG was banging on Felly Fell in L.A., you know, on Twitter. And um, Felly called me like, you the know DJ. this YG? Yeah, the you know, who's a friend of mine. He's the first guy to play a Nipsey Hussle record. You know, me and Big U helped out Nipsey Hussle 15 years ago. You know, we've been part of that that movement for a long time. But, you know, I have a lot of stories, and I try to save them. But I go through certain things, and, uh, you know, he's banging on me on Twitter. And Felly called me. He's like, yo, you know YG? What's up with all this? And I said, yeah, I know YG. Let me call him. So I called him on three-way. I was in, like, the uh, – uh, I was in a mall, Sherman Oaks Mall. And it was I was eating some Chinese food in the food court, and he's like, "I said, I, what the Panda was it? Yeah, Pan Express. I love Pan Express because you can't get, wait, you can't get no good wait, Chinese wait, food wait, in New York, wait, LA, how, bro. Wait, how the fuck have you traveled the world? But, but listen, and you you have a palate for fucking Panda yo, Express because my dude? because in LA because in LA and you want to kill some time, you go into the mall, you walk around, you get your mind right. But there's no good Chinese food in L.A. Really? No, nah, I as can't much find like, it. Yo, dude, when you go to L.A., the sushi is yeah, the, Of course, the I eat the sushi but there. But there's no good Chinese food. There, there. is, but I, I love duck sauce. Right, right. I love going to Wohop. Yeah. I go to Wohop. <laughs> I love yeah, Wohop. I, I heard you say that on, I always, on Premium. Nah, I, yo, shout out yo, Premium I, I'm so, yo, I, yo, Shout out You people. know what it is? I hate Wohop, man. I love Wohop, man. <laughs> people love that place. It's legendary. Yeah. So again, so you start seeing the world. So anyway, yeah. Felly's getting banged on by YG. I call him, put him on three-way. Yo, YG, you can't bang on Felly. He's a powerful guy at the radio station. They talk. And he's like, yo, you're supposed to play my record. Two of them booted. And, and Felly was like, I didn't know I was supposed to play it. But shit, send it. I'll check it out. Next thing he checked it out, and two of them booted guy on the radio. That was Big it. record. Yeah, big rig record. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of stories, like yeah. I said. So anyway, how do you make the transition, though, once again, to management? Oh, okay. Well, you know, management is the hardest job. This is the worst. I mean, God bless y'all that can make a living out of it. It's the hardest job. I've seen that shit. Just like I've seen the street game chew out a lot of cats, the management game it's is, the hardest, is merciless. It's the hardest job. I never thought that I would become like um, I would be a babysitter. Right. A loan shark. Therapist. A psychiatrist, therapist. So many sh- So the, much like shit. Like marriage counselor. Man. Deal with the wives, the baby mothers. So much shit. Yeah. So it's the hardest. But- now, in the last year or two, management is is the shit because has no one's selling better, records. Has, has the game gotten better for everybody? Yes and no, but no one's selling records. So if you're a manager, because most artists are doing live shows, you're getting the 20% of live shows, merch, so on and so Publishing forth. Publishing is part of the game yeah, right now. Yeah. Ancillary, like, because back then ancillary. it was called ancillary, yeah. but it's not ancillary anymore. Exactly. Doing TV and, and commercials exactly. and the whole nine. Exactly. So, but there's no manual to this shit. How do you figure this shit no, out? I, I, since day one, I've learned it all on my own. Yeah. When Alan said, hey, you want to do A&R? I'm like, yeah. Didn't even know what the hell it was, artist repertoire, or you want to do radio promotions. Yeah, you know, I would just learn as I went. Because I'm a New Yorker, and, you know, opportunities don't knock all the time. So when the opportunities come, you got to grab it. And, you know, you know, and I know Khaled since 95, when we used to go to Orlando, Fat Joe, you know, put Khaled on and Cool and Dre and all them. I would I would be around, and, and not that, you know, Khaled turned the keys to success into this big monstrous thing, but my keys were like never taking no for an answer. Um, common sense, which is not common. Not at all, man. Following up, communication, and organization. And that's how I based my, my career. And, and you know what? I could have done a lot more in my career, but, you know, a lot of people start getting amnesia. You could have been doing a lot more. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I could have like, done a lot more, but like, you get nervous. Like, like owning Interscope, you're saying? Like, no, people get amnesia. People forget where they come from. Right. People forget what you did for them. And it's it's it's, it's like getting hurt, hurt by a girl. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you got to pick you're and choose emo- your you're battles. You're an emotional dude, right? Yeah, I'm very emotional. Right. Yeah. And passionate. Right. 
Yo, you're passionate. Yo, yo, um, what's the most painful shit you experienced in the music industry? I mean, the most painful thing in the music industry is when I lost my mom. Right. You know, my but, mom but, passed but, away. But, but we'll talk about that because that's a little bit more personal bleeding into your... <clears throat> well, you know, we trained as New Yorkers or, or real hustlers to work and grind. A lot of people these days like, yeah, I'm grinding, I'm working. Like, they don't even know what that is. People be seeing me on Instagram like, yo, you really working? I'm like, been working. So, you know, when you love something and you're passionate about what you do... You get caught up, and I got caught up in the music game. Yeah, like by, nothing, nothing else. You took everything else for granted. Yeah, I took a lot of things for right. granted. Um, I was chasing the dream, chasing the money, chasing the passion, chasing the artist. And when mom passed, that's when we wake up and realize that life is more important than just working. Did you feel guilt that damn I should have spent more time with my mom? I felt a lot of guilt. Right. Yeah, a lot of regret right. and a lot of guilt because she called all the time. To do certain things, and I'm like, I can't. I'm over here with this one. I get back to you. I get back to you, mom. And then I went to LA and lived out there. So it was I get back to when she passed. That's when I woke up and realized. Yeah, talk about that though, man, because that's one of the reasons why I left the music industry. Because at a certain point, I felt that that the game requires so much of you. And like you said, that 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 fairy tale, like it's not. It's part of it is real and necessary about the hustle and the grinding, but part of it is also fairy tale. Like yo, you can't sleep. You can't take a rest. You can't. Slow it drains down you. You can't slow down and pay attention to your family. Like, like you, you told me before when we, um, before we started taping, like you, you like the mogul series with Chris Lighting. Yes. And one of rest the things, peace, yeah, rest in peace, Chris. But one of the things that we discovered or I discovered is that the game was so much that he really couldn't plug. Like he went on vacations, but like just really be like, yo, don't fucking call me. <clears throat> like talk about yeah, that. Yeah. It was hard for me to even take vacations because everybody was always calling and needed me. And you know, it's like, if I would have had someone teach me that I taught myself a few years ago, less is more and quality over quantity and that money comes and goes and history stays, as long as you can make history, you can make money, then I would have did a lot of things different. I would have had some balance. And when like, I do like, speak, like, like what? Like what? When I speak to people, I say you need to have balance in life. Don't get caught up in this working all the time, working all the time. I have no children and I'll be 52 and I, and I think I'd be a great father, but I wanted to be there for my child. Why don't you have kids now? I mean, maybe, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I'd be 72 and my child would be 20 years old. But you're thinking too hard, No, man. I know. I, I, I put too hard. much pressure on myself. Like, yeah, 50, 52 is the best time to populate the planet. Yeah. I was thinking about adopting a child. <laughs> I was thinking about adopting a child, like, 13 years old. Right. Mm. I think so, I'd be so a great like, father. Like, yeah. skip the first 13 years? Yeah. Yeah, but the, 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 those, the, when they're just this little blobby ball and you're I fucking know. wiping their ass. But it's or, funny because all my people I grew up with, like, in their 50s, yeah. they always call them, like, hey, can you get my daughter or son to meet this one or that? That one and that one, I'm like, wow, like, I, if I had a kid, he'd be the coolest kid in school, yeah, so yeah. to speak. So, I don't know. It's just like, I learned things on my own. Yeah. And again, you know, the, the balance is the biggest part of the industry that we get consumed and, and chopped up and, and, and turned in and like gumbo. Right. And, um, you know, it's a gift and a curse, I tell people. Um, I'm blessed. I would have never seen the world if I didn't get in the music industry. Um, I would have never seen the world. Um, and I met a lot of great people. You come across some bad people in the industry. But that's part of life. And um, do I have any regrets? Yeah, like I said, I would have spent some more time with my family. Yeah. And and, and I'm surprised, man. I mean, you, you talk about how, you know, in your love life, man, you've never cheated. I'm surprised you never got hitched up or whatever, man. Yeah, man. You know what it is? Every girl left me because I worked so hard and I didn't, you know, girls need attention. They want to go to the movies or go bowling or they need attention. And I, I was not good at that. I was giving my artists the attention. You know what I mean? Like I'm managing Scott Storch right now. And I'm giving him so much attention because in life you're supposed to have an end game always in anything you do. And my end game with Scott is to stand on stage 
and win a Grammy with him because, you know, he'd been through hell and back. And I just feel like, you know, we've been, we've been really working and, you know, we're on a comeback. So again, a lot of my time goes to Scott right now and then you neglect certain things. So I try my hardest to, you know, worry about myself first. Right. Then, then the artist, but I don't know. I just get caught up in it. That's what people know about me and love about me and respect about me that I go hard. You got trust issues, man? Um, yeah, I got trust issues. Yeah, yeah. Now, I come you, from Queens, man, and you know, I've been through a lot and right. been through a lot of stuff. So it's hard to trust people. Um, but you know, I, I always give everybody the opportunity, and then they hang themselves. Right, 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 right. Um, so you meet Easy E, man. What do you think of Easy when you meet <clears throat> Easy, man? Um, you know, Ruthless Records was distributed through Relativity, MC Ren Project, Easy E Projects, At Band Clan. Um, Shoot, what was uh, Jerry Heller's nephew's uh, Bloods Abraham, Kid Frost. Kid Frost. Me and me and Fat Joe just ran the Kid Frost in L.A. a few weeks ago, man, legendary. And Bone Thugs and Harmony. You know, Easy Easy to me was just a marketing genius, a businessman, a gangster. Um, did you spend cool a lot guy? Of, did you spend a lot of time with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm um, just a great, cool guy, man. And you know, there's always a story that I tell that we were at the tunnel and Bone Thugs had came in in New York for the first time. All of them didn't want to go to the club, but we went and we ran to, I think, LL and Heavy D, rest in peace, and went to the tunnel and we ran to Ice Cube. That's when they had the beef and it could have got ugly. And then Easy said he was going to walk back to the hotel with the twins. Those were Simone's bodyguards. Because he was, he didn't want to deal he with it. No, he just wanted to walk back. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of artists want to come to New York and walk, but it was cold and he had his Pendleton flying along and the, the twins, the Simone guys, they walked back to the hotel, never saw him again. He got sick and then That's he died. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, what did he teach you, man? Um, you know, it was funny because we had to down with the King video shoot and he's in that video. Yeah. You know, like I'm, the remix, the, the yeah, B-Rock remix, you know, he's right? in there with the Afro. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I was, I was so mad that, you know, we didn't have social media back then or we, back then we didn't want to take no pictures. We, it was, man, we was too cool to take yeah, pictures. Yeah, we were too we cool. Or we thought you were the boys, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we were just too cool to it. But, um, what he taught me is, you know, when you believe in something, don't take, just keep believing. Right. And like he believed in Bone Thugs and Harmony. And when you first heard Thuggish Ruggish Bone, you were like, huh? You know, and I think that me being from New York, people were like, ah, you crazy. But when we did Bone and Biggie, that's when New York really accepted Bone Thugs. Yeah, but, but, but even before Bone and Biggie, like Bone was, was huge. I remember going to Akron and just like, yo, shit was a phenomenon. Like what made them such a phenomenon? You know, they're from Cleveland, but they've been in Columbus, Akron and stuff because it was unique. They sang, they rapped. Melodic. It was different, real melodic, which a lot of artists are doing these days. I mean, J. Cole, Wiz, Kendrick, they all salute Bone. Wiz even got a Bone Thugs and Homie tattoo on his thigh, you know? So it was just different. Um, they're the only artists to work with Biggie, Pac, and Easy in the studio. No MP3 sending stuff. You know, we won a Grammy for Riding Dirty with Chameleon Air. You know, Big Pun was on Fleshbone's first album, his first feature. So, you know, they were just different, unique. And you know, I took the chance and I rolled the dice to mess with them. And I'm still dealing with them 20-someone years later. But, you know, and then Puff called me through Fat Joe to do the Bone and Biggie. So we did Talk that. Talk about that. Talk about putting that record Yeah, you know, I, I was in Santa Monica at the Ramada Inn, I think. And we were shooting one of the Mo Thug videos. And Fat Joe called me and said, Puff's going to call you. And then Puff called said, yo, Big's at Record Plant. Pull up. So um, I started calling all the Bone guys. Wishbone was in Cleveland. Called them all. And they started rolling up. And he knocked out that song in, in like an hour. Yeah, but but talk about 
Biggie. Like, did you yeah. see Biggie? Well, he didn't do his verse. He right, took right. it back. Right. And then he died. So right. after the fact, Puff told me, he's like, yo, he took it back to New York. And Little C's told me, he's like, he took it back to New York and he uh, mastered that verse. And if he didn't pass, we would have shot a video. It's, you know, it was yo, an incredible song. Run, Stevie J produced that record, by the way, with Puff. Yo, running with Bone Thugs, the first time you hear Biggie's version, like Biggie's verse, what do you think? He killed it. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh, man, dangerous. Yo, that shit is He crazy. caught the flow, man. He caught the flow, and it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, let me ask you something. When you was at Relativity, man, you seen a lot of a lot of acts, man. Did you did you get to work with M.O.P.? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, they did a song with Jay-Z. I think it was Four Long Blade. Yeah, yeah, that's when, that's when Jay roasted that record. Yeah, so. That's when Jay became my favorite MC. Yeah, that, fo- that was a funny story because me and Alan Grumblatt, you know, Jay was on that, that, that record, and we needed him to show up to the video. Was he not going to show up to the video? <coughs> I'm not sure, but we came downstairs in 79 Fifth Avenue, and um, y'all were in the same building as Rockefeller. Yeah, Rockefeller. We came downstairs and we walked in, and Damon Dash was sitting there getting his toenails done, his nails done. Panic, medic, med, medi, panic. Yeah, and he had dogs, little dogs running around. I'm like, yo, this guy's crazy, man. But hey, why? Because he know? was because he was getting pampered. Or? No, I mean, I was just like in my mind, like, shit, this is crazy. Right. I, I don't know why I would say like, you know, meaning crazy, like. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Right, if exactly. that's what you want to do, you do that. Right, right, you know, right. only God could judge. Yeah. So I just was like, hey, man, fuck. That's what he's doing. God bless him. So me and Alan are standing there looking at him. And we're like, Alan flipped. Alan was like, man, Jay-Z better, ne- Jay better get to that video shoot. And I think Dame set a price. And then Alan was like, all right. And cut the check or gave him the money. And he showed up. I went to Brooklyn. We shot the video. Kind of mad, like no pictures back then or a video. And I think there was a guy in the art department, Dave Bed, who probably came and took pictures, but I don't even know what that guy is. Yeah. But and then they shot that video, and um, you know, I think MOP is underrated. Man, you know? we were talking about this off 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 air, also, man. I, I man, I used to be so frustrated um, with MOP, man, because I used to think, and I still feel, man, like if and, and and this is no shots to anybody else, but I always felt that if MOP had the same vision as say like Russell and Rick had with with with, with Run DMC, they would be as big as Run DMC because I feel like they're the, probably the only other rap group at that time duo like you know not you know omitting Jam Master J that had that energy that could transform a rap record into a rock record. The energy was crazy, man. They were superstars, and you know <clears throat> it's unfortunate. But yeah. you know, sometimes a lot of people don't have a vision. It's the vision, or, right? Or problems but, but happen. But do you, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, as, as a manager, do you agree? Or an end game, you know, I don't want to, you know, I know their manager well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, there's always three sides to a story. So you never really knows what happens internally. Or the artist sometimes could be their worst enemy. They might not want to do this. They might not do that. Yeah. So you just never know. Right. So talk about your, your encounters with Tupac, man. I mean, you know, I managed the Outlaws, you know. And what was his involvement, man? I mean, you know, that's his group, you know. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I ran a Zap Judah. He got Outlaw tattoo. And, you know, we signed Fatal to Relativity, too. Rest in peace to Fatal, Gaddafi. Um, I did a lot for the Outlaws when Pac died. Um, you know, Pac was a real one, a hard worker and um, a visionary and ahead of his time, you know, very ahead of his time. And, um you know, last time I saw Pac was at the MTV Awards. Mm. Him and Snoop was wearing that big medallion. Right. Um, never saw him again after that. That's crazy. You just never know when it's going to be the last time you're going to see somebody, yeah. you know? But, but what was, but what was, what, what, like, if you remember, like, any gems that you picked up from him and how he took care of his group and how you were in charge of his group. So, like, like what was that like? Man? Work ethic. Yeah. His work ethic. And he told those dudes, like, yo, better come to the studio with some, with your verses ready. Like, he was always working. If you can't outwork me, then don't come to the studio. Right. 
You know what I mean? And we, but, you know, but nobody could outwork t- Tupac. I know. We did that song Doug Love with him with Bone. Yeah, yeah. You know, another classic. So you know, I'm just, I'm just blessed to be around some classics that a life lifetime music. Right. I tell artists to make global music, worldwide longevity and timeless music, not stuff for a fad. You know what I mean? It was funny because you know even when we discovered Nipsey, you know he was doing his thing in you know his neighborhood. But when we were taking him to labels, people were like, nah, he's whack, looks like Snoop, nah, not interested. And those same people years and years later calling to, to do something with him. I just laugh because most people in the industry are not leaders. They, they followers, right. man. They're not visionary. Right. So, um, like, oh, he looks like Snoop Dogg. You know, I remember when J. Cole was coming to LA trying to work with Nipsey and Drake came work with Nipsey. He got a song called Killer Together. Um, Everybody was coming to work with Nipsey, you know, and, and just to watch what he's doing now as a businessman and buying up the neighborhood and building a brand that's consistent and it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, and without a hit record, so to speak, or without a major album, he built a real brand. A real brand is when the consumer is emotionally attached to you. Not when you keep changing like Rolex, Adidas, McDonald's. They stay consistent and Nip stayed consistent. He says who he is. He never changes. The only thing is his clothes got a little tighter. But at the end of the day, him as a person, he's being himself at all times. And that's the problem. A lot of people change up. You got to be yourself at all times. And I'm not a yes man or a dick writer. I just salute Nip because he's never changed and he kept it 100 and he's got so much more to go. It's crazy, man. How the fuck does he sell a CD, a mixtape for $100 a pop? Yeah, there was a book. There was a book. There was a branding guy named Bob Francis that's a, a, a super, super genius. And he gave uh, he gave Nip a book. There was a $100 cheesesteak in Philly. So he's like, man, I'm going to run with that idea. There was a $100 cheesesteak. Yeah, in Philly, you could buy a cheesesteak for 100 Because, you know, you manipulate the mind. Right. $100, I got to try that Is shit, Is that shit man. really good? I don't know. I didn't try it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's what the consumers always, like, right. want to try stuff. When he came with the $100 CD... It worked. So, you, so you worked with him on that project. I mean, he he did that. He did that. He came up with that and you know put it out. Right. You know what I mean? Like one thing about Nip, we would argue certain times because I'm like, Yo, Nip, we need a radio record. We need this. He's like, Steve, trust me, trust me, trust me. And you know what? At the point, you know, he was like, Yo, I'm, you sit back. We're gonna, I'm gonna do this. And and the other day, he was a visionary man. And, and look where he's at right now. Yeah. He's still dropping major album, but got a consistent brand. Yeah. Every basketball player, every rapper looks up to him, loves him. Like, like look. I just had Russ at Scott Storch's house. I had Kyle at Scott Storch's house. They're like, yo, we're Nipsey fans, bro. You know, could you FaceTime? And I FaceTime like, yo, the new generation love Nip. And even though he's been doing it for a while, he nicknamed me Maniac Lobel. He said, Steve, you're a maniac. You don't stop working. Like, we'll do 49 cities in 50 days on tour. So, you know, I, I just got different stories, man, with different artists. Right, right. How is Scott Storch? Scott Storch How's Scott doing? Yeah. Scott is uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, super talented. Super talented. That, yeah. that was never a question. I mean, yeah. it was it was only basically him standing in the way of himself. Um, so how's 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 it working with him right now? It's crazy because, you know, I ran into Monty Lippman who runs Universal Public yes. a couple weeks ago, and yeah. he said, "Always a name, always a threat." You know, and people want to say, "Oh, you know, it's funny." I, I was at a bar mitzvah today, and there was this dude working with the DJ, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I see you working with Starch." He goes, "But yeah, he lost a hundred million." I'm like, and a lot of people lost money. In my, in the, I'm sure everybody in this room hold lost on, some on. money. The point is, he made, <laughs> he made 100 million. He yeah. made 100 so, million. I'm telling the guy, you know, you're ignorant to say that. Right. Because talent never leaves. So, yeah, mm. Scott went through his roller coasters just like everybody else. So, he, he lost money. He made hits. He got caught up. whoop de do. But his talent never left. So, when he asked me to manage him, I ran with it. I had to think real quick because I never managed a producer. But then I ran with it. And right now, we're on fire. Yeah. I and mean, everybody follows our Instagrams, they see us in the studio working yeah. and 
Just recently, we had ASAP Ferg in there, Dave East, Russ, Kyle, Shaq Glizzy. Like, every relevant artist is coming through. And they're coming for the experience to see. Uh, no one's producing these days. They're watching a real producer. Because, look, Swiss is producing, Just Blaze producing. But they got a lot of other things going on. A lot of those producers came up with Scott. They're doing other things. Scott just likes to make music. You know what I mean? So we're just putting out a Kai pack for his sound pack and then sell them in like guitar centers, working on a movie called A Piano Man. Um, we're working on his own YouTube page. I'm doing innovative, creative stuff that just he doesn't have to just be a producer. Yeah. We're trying to find an artist. You know, I have a consulting business, Steve Lobel Consulting. So any artists out there that want to learn the game or want to send that stuff, you can email me at stevelobelconsulting at gmail.com. But Scott's a, a, a blessing. Everybody's reaching out to me. They want to interview him. They're watching. They're seeing. Um, he's focused, super I mean, focused. I mean, Scott has a story, man. Major story. Sky has a story. I feel like, you know, to be honest, everybody's got a, a story, to be honest with you. Of course. Now, you talked about, you know, this this incident at the Louis Vuitton store. Like, <laughs> yo, how severe was that shit? You talk about a shove. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? So, like, paint that, like, if, if you remember it. I'm no trying jokes. to get my lyrics for that rap song, yeah, by the way. That's why I'm texting. <laughs> no worries. But you know what? I went to Kanye's birthday. I think it was his 30th birthday yeah. at the Louis Vuitton store on 57th Street. And um, I don't know anybody out there knows Pistol Pete from KR, mm-hmm. Terror Squad, you know, you know. He put out DVD, Scarface of Life, Death Before Dishonor. You know, he was known for slicing people on the island and up north, and he created admittance with him. So his man, Jukebox Tone, had just came up from jail after like 10 years. And Jesus, I think man. we had those little flip phones, right? Mm-hmm. And Pete was like, told Jukebox to go come meet me and then go with me to the party, and they were going to meet me later with Fat Joe and everybody. So I was, um, I went to the Louis Vuitton store. I was staying at the Trump, Trump Tower Hotel. Fuck Trump. But not fuck Trump. I don't know. He's from Queens. We'll see what's up. But, I mean, uh, fuck Trump, man. Um, I'll say it for you, man. Fuck and Trump. And then uh, I, I walked to that party, and I went to the party, and everybody was there. Jermaine, Jay-Z, Mariah. Man, again, I wish back then we had fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah. Instagram. And, and remind me to talk about We Are The World Part 2, because that was another oh, fucking no. default. So, um, <laughs> so I went in the party. I was talking to, ironically... And I worked with Common Sense in the past, you know, who's one of the best, I feel. Common, everybody knows him as Common now. I was talking to his manager, Derek Dudley, and I was, ironically, I was talking to Scott Storch's manager, Derek Jackson, at the time. Mm. I'm talking, this is 07. Yeah. And Take, a shelf came and fell on um, my head. How big is the fucking shelf? Okay, so when you go to Louis Vuitton store to go shop, they have the counter, behind the counter they have bags. So what they did is they took these big wooden planks and they leaned them up behind everything to hold up and just not nail it. So you're it. talking about some big-ass... Big, high... Like 30, like 40 fucking pounds. planks to just go like this, lean on the wall so it would hide the bags so no one could get the bags. And I guess the music was so loud and everything, and then the shelf hit me. Did, shit, did you know what the Hit fuck? me right here. Did nah, you know I just knocked the, out. You were knocked out. And they left me there because they didn't want Who me. Who left you there? The, everybody. Well, the cloudy plan is no one to call an ambulance and no one to touch me because, God forbid, you touch me and something is fucked up. So they left me laying there, the party plan. I was like, hey, he's drunk. I don't even fucking drink. And then it took, I think DMC was outside and Fat Joe's security was outside and they just busted the door and came in and got me and called an ambulance and that was it because the party planners didn't want the police to come and shut the party down. Right. So you wake up where? In the, in the, in the, in the hospital. In the hospital. You wake up in the fucking hospital. Emergency room. How? Had a neck brace, everything. So fuck. And then, and then so they do like a brain scan or what they... What yeah. Um, and they did all that stuff. And then eventually I went out. And when I first got out, I was I, until this day, I repeat myself a lot because of that. And I stuttered. So it was embarrassing at that time. Because didn't, you didn't before. Yeah, I didn't. And did you notice a difference in terms of, like, how your brain worked, man? Yeah, it was embarrassing, too. And then um, my brother had passed away from overdose of uh, painkillers for back problems. So I was always taught I'm never going to take painkillers. So they was always telling me to take painkillers for my head injury, but I never did. 
So I just dealt with it over the years. And then I, you know, had a major lawsuit and I did make some money off that, but I feel that the money will never add up to what happened. But because it took so long, I've done interviews and the lawyer for the other side went on and found these interviews and said, oh, how can you remember you fucked up if you're doing these interviews? Yeah, that's, I hate that shit. Yeah, I hate that shit. So, you know, it is what it is, but, uh. I'm here. Yo, you're con- you, you call yourself a dinosaur. I wouldn't call yourself a dinosaur because dinosaurs don't exist. You, you know, you're definitely a throwback to the game. And over the years, man, who would you look at as your peers in the management game and be like, that's a solid manager? Like, well, did, you, did you know Lighty? Did you know Chris Lighty? Of you course were- I know Chris yeah. Lighty. Baby Chris. Yeah. What would you think of his, him you know, as a manager, man? He was a great manager. You know, like this, this, you know, they called me for the We Are the World Part 2. And... They call for bone thugs. All bone didn't go, so busy bone came. So I, I'm a leverage guy. I leverage everything. And I'm a relationships guy because not what you know is who you know. Right. So I, I started calling, you know, everybody I worked with, like, yo, come on, man, get in the We Are The World Part 2. They're doing a rap part. So if you watch it, you'll see the rap part. You got Wyclef, Swiss, Snoop Dogg, Jamie Foxx. Nipsey's in there throwing up 60s. And Ayers is in there. Man's in there. So I leveraged all in the bringing. Scooter Braun was there. And he always tells that story. He's like, man, you're a beast for leveraging that. Because at that time, Celine Dion was there and uh, Barbara Streisand and Tony Bennett. I'm like, damn. That's big. I missed all those pictures. Like, right, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I look up to Scooter Braun. Not look up to him because I look up to my father. I respect Scooter Braun because I always say to him, like, bro, how you managing all this and still enjoying your life? And he says, I got a great woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know. But, you know, coming up, managers that I respected was Chris Lighty. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Rosenberg. Mm. He did a, he did a lot, man. Did a lot. I remember, you know? the, I remember the first time I had to deal with him was dealing with fucking, well, it was him and Theo Settlemeyer and they were representing some shit. I forget the name of it, but it was nobody. Right. And then, you know, two or three years later, they were on the top of the fucking pyramid. That's why you never could turn your back on someone. You never know who someone's going to be. Yeah. That's why I always tell people everything goes up, must come down. Yeah. Always remain humble. Never shit on somebody because you never know they're going to be your boss one day. Yeah. Um, you know, G. Robertson. Yeah, G. Yeah. G. Robertson is a great manager. Um, you know, that's what comes to my mind right now. Yo, years ago, man, when you were sitting in Spofford, right? Oh, wow. Spofford Juvenile. <laughs> Do your homework, bro. Correctional, <laughs> right? Did you ever think you'd be here, man? You know, it's so fucked up. I why, got, wait, wait, why were you in Spofford? I got arrested when I was 13 years old. Just was what? Bob Mitzford. And got arrested. I'll never forget this shit, man. And my memory's in and out sometimes. I got a, I got a tweet one day. Man, I, I, I think I saved it and took a screenshot, but it's not on this phone. And I got arrested for some shit I didn't even do. It was false arrest. Like for, for what? Robbing someone at knife point for a bike. BMX bikes. Remember the BMX yeah, bikes? That don't even sound like you. Yeah, and I was walking, I was walking home. I was with my man and the girl and the police, DT, DT, DTX came and got me. And next thing I went up to Spafford, bro, 13 years old. I'm like, what the fuck, I man? Was, I, I don't even think I was even ever in the Bronx before. Right. <laughs> it was the worst, bro. Right, right. It was the worst because I'm like, turn the heck in this room. I need some cheesecake. Like, nah, that shit ain't happening here. And, you said you know, cheesecake. Yeah, I wanted some cheesecake. <laughs> I wanted some air conditioning. It was summertime. I'm like, yo, how am I here 13 years old? It was like a disaster, devastation for my family. Because, you know, I'm like, I ain't do nothing. Right. Did you, get, so, cleared? Did you get cleared of that Yeah, shit? I mean, I sued the city, false arrest, man. Really? It's funny, someone tweeted like a year ago, oh, Steve Lovell, you never talk, you know, you should tell people when you rob that person for the bike or some shit. Never did that. And right. I t- I went to court for so long, it dragged out. Man, that's the worst experience, bro. Especially it, as a kid, man. Man. What's that do to you, man? Does it, does it, does it make you say, yeah, I can't trust the system or I gotta, I got I gotta go harder, man? Man, don't trust nobody. Right. But, um, <clears throat> and then I went to court. I kept going to court. I used to, I'm wearing on, throwing a little suit on and my wallabies and going to Queens court. 
And then one day, I think it, it was going to trial and a kid got on the stand and they said, do you know this man? He's like, no, my father told me to say he did it. I was like, son of a oh, bitch. that's crazy. Yeah, man. That's so, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but did you ever think you'd be here, man? Um, honestly, man, I didn't know where I was going to be, what I was going to do, where I'd end up because everybody in my neighborhood, a lot of people around me were like, oh, he's a fuck up. He never went to school. Um, he needed a tutor to get by Mitzford. He needed a tutor for this. I, me and my mom got a tutor. I couldn't even fucking sit there. I hung out with all types of people. That's one thing about growing up in New York. You could hang out with Spanish people and black people and white people, Italian, Jewish. You know, I was a guido at one point, going to the Hamptons, <laughs> going to clubs, driving a caddy, El Dorado Baritz. So you never know where you're going to wind up. But I put my, my life in God's hands and wherever God's going to direct me because I feel like it's written and I feel like everything happened for a reason. So I used to be a stress fucking case. And, and almost gave me a heart attack. I wake up these days and I'm not even stressed. I'm like, whatever's going to be is going to be. Wait, it's you already med- there. You meditating or you doing some yoga with Russell? No, nah, Russell always told me to go do yoga and meditate. Everybody tries to tell me to do that. No, I just put everything in God's hands. Yeah. You know, I had a heart attack once, really, really? fucking stressed the fuck out. I was like, in Reno. Really? What the fuck? Bone thugs had me stressed the fuck out. Man, you know, you don't five even, guys. You don't even drink or smoke, No, dude. but you don't have to understand some guys. You don't need to drink or smoke or do drugs that have a heart attack. Yo, that's it's str- about that, that's stress that's, kills. That's kill you, right? And my high, my high is sugar. Right. I love sweets, and that's another thing that could kill you. So stress kills, bro. And that's why I tell people every day when I when I see people, like, how you doing? I said, I'm blessed. They're like, well, I said, I'm alive. Did have, did a lot have, of our peers are gone. Did they have to cut you open, man? No. Okay. Thank God. But a lot of our, and Steve Rifkin had, Rifkin had a heart attack. Yeah. But a lot of people don't understand some. A lot of our peers, Reg, are gone. Gone. From stress or from this or from that. And, 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 and stress kills, man. Yeah. You know, man, the, the Baker boy's brother just passed. Mm. You know, the Baker boy's a legendary brother yeah. just passed. They from a heart attack. Uh, you know, what was my man? He used to run with JMSJ. He used to work at Universal, man. He passed, uh, I don't know. It's like everybody saying it's like people get stressed out. This music industry could kill you, man. Yeah, I know. And that's why I say I wake up these days and I do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make myself like the celebrity. But because of my experience and my knowledge and my stories, now I'm out doing interviews because I, I love giving back mm-hmm. and giving knowledge. Um, and that's why I say the coach lasts longer than the player, which is going to be my book. But that's I love a, sports, a man. Title, man. Yeah, yeah, I love sports. Thank you. So I, I go to sports games. I enjoy my life now because God forbid I have a heart attack tomorrow or pass away, Reg. And it goes for you guys, too. What is the memory? You know, the real people are going to salute us on social media and think about us and talk about us, keep our names alive. Like, I talk about JMSJ all the time. Me and my dad go visit him in the cemetery. Mm. You understand? That's how real it is. I go see my mother every time I come back from New York, when I'm in New York. So, but we're just a memory. But guess what? Life goes on. Life goes on. My dad told me there's a time to live, there's a time to die. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry. So, you know what? Bar, your, bars. Bar, your dad got bars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, though, like, I'm trying to live, man. Yeah. I watched my dad as 84, and he's, 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 um, he's, he's got a girl. He's living he's got, life. He's got a new he's girl. He's living life. I'm making him a celebrity OG Ted on he's Instagram. He's got a Puerto Rican girlfriend yeah. right now. So he, he how, swims 30 laps a day. He's showing me that life is life. Yeah, how did, how'd you feel, man, when, when your pops got a new girl, man? You know, in the, be- after, in the beginning, the in the beginning, me and my sister didn't accept that. Really? Why? Nah, because, because he was the married loyalty. to my mom for how long? He's married to my mom 54 years. Jesus. You know, and I love talking right now because this is real stuff, not yeah. just the music industry yeah. stuff. And they're married 54 years. When you talk about integrity and loyalty. That's where you learn it from. My dad still goes to the cemetery to visit my mom, and then he goes to visit his girlfriend's husband. 
like, yo, you're out of your mind. That shows you Ex-husband? integrity. Ex- yeah, okay. who died? Who died? Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. I'm like, yo, you got some right, integrity, right, 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 right. but um. So then, how did it turn around, man? Like, no, how, he he said I got a girl from me. My sister's like, nah, and I didn't want to meet him. So a friend of mine owns this uh, <laughs> auto body shop in Glen Cove. He invited me to a car show, Martini Auto Sports in Glen Cove. So I went and I took my dad. So my dad says I'm leaving to go take my girlfriend to the movies, but he went and got her and came back. So I was talking to some people. And I hear this voice like, hey, motherfucker, turn around. And I know my dad's, I turn around, and he's standing there with her holding her hand. And all I could do was turn around and hug her yeah. and say, welcome to the fam. That's it. That's it. Your, your dad is ill, man. Yeah. So, you know, I do. And it's funny because Snoop and Puff and Buster, Russell, they're all like, yo, how's your dad doing? I love it. And, you know, love seeing him. OG Ted, blah, blah, blah. So, again, man, I wasn't even close to my dad. It took my mom to pass away. Right. To really become close to my dad again, man. We grinding and grinding and grinding in this music industry. Matt, please. Oh, I'm trying to get those lyrics. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. make a long story short, you know, when people are out there saying we grinding and we working and you know I'm doing this and doing that, do it for the right reasons. Everybody's just doing it for a like, a follow, or to look cool, live life. And I'm just gonna say to us as as men, as friends, man, when you say you ride a bicycle, that's a blessing. Like yeah. we have to. We have to be selfish now and worry about ourselves because for all our decades in the music industry, we worried about everybody else yep. but ourselves. And if we die tomorrow, people are going to salute, but life's going to continue going exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's why I have to do what I want to do at all times. That's crazy. Yo, um, your top five, man. Oh, shit. No, 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 no necessarily order, just your top five. You know what's crazy, man? You know, I did an interview with AllHipHop.com, right? Yeah. Shout out my man Greg. But... They asked me for my top five dead or alive, and I had to, and I had to give him one extra, like Sean Kingston. They were like, "What the hell?" Because he showed me the world. Mm. I'm Jewish and I've been Israel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Sean Kingston is in your top five? No, he okay. was in that interview. Okay, but let's talk. I would say top five man. Um, <clears throat> Run DMC, mm-hmm. Chuck D. Mm-hmm. Run DMC, Chuck D. We still taping? Yeah, we taping. Run DMC, Chuck D. Um, common. Mm. That's three. Shit. And I'm letting you slide because usually I don't let a group. Oh, so it's got to. So it's usually like we a, take out the group. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so um, so it's Chuck D. So common. Chuck D. Common. Scarface. Mm. Two more. Uh, Nas. Mm. It ain't hard to tell. Um, Pac. Pac. That's a good list, man. I'm not even mad at that, man. I'm never mad at anybody's list anyway. I wouldn't even be mad if you said Sean Kingston. Now, if you say groups. Hey, well, Say I mean, groups. No, don't do. Somebody told me one of their favorite MCs was Big Bank Hank. I'm yeah. not mad at that. Yeah, Big Bank Hank. Yeah, from Sugar Hill, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, how, how can I be mad at somebody's <laughs> subjective shit? Um... I would say groups wise, you know, Run DMC obviously, of course, Bone Thugs and Harmony, of um, Ghetto Boys, mm. Outkast, mm-hmm. Eight Ball and MJG. Mm, that's a good list. Well, I even worked with Three Six Mafia, man, which is crazy. And you got two, and you got two, um, you got two Grammys, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I got Grammys from Crossroads mm-hmm. and um, Riding Dirty with Chameleon Air. Mm. And then I got uh, American Music Awards with Bone Thugs and Harmony. But I worked with 3-6 Mafia, too, DJ Paul and Juicy J, yeah. I think you get get some more, man. I, I see that in your future, man. I'm, and I'm not even a psychic, sir. You know what's so crazy? I collect a lot of plaques. Yeah. But I haven't gotten no relevant plaques. Mm. 
But now I'm like telling Scott, like, man, we might be getting some plaques because the game record might have went somewhere with Jeremiah. Mm. You just never know. Right. But, um, you know. Yeah. So, so do we have these bars, man? Can we, yeah, can, he just sent me some. Can we wrap up with these yeah, bars? Um, man, internets. Um, this is a Combat Jack Show exclusive. Oosive, oosive. Steve Lobel dropping his bars for the first time. No, I did this song. Uh, he, this is one of it. I'm the one that gave Cal his first major key. Check my throwback on my IG. You could check and see. We working. You know? Now, what, what's the flow like? You got to give me the flow. I know, bro. But what's I'm, the flow? I'm you, trying you to get just, my man. You just read it. Can I hear hold the on, flow? Can I hear your Damn, flow? Hold on. Hold on. You know, I, I, I got to get that flow because we got Scott to rap on it. Yeah. Khalil Beats. Yo, I need some more bars, bro. You're live on air right now with the Combat Jet Show, man. Yo, what show, up, man? Come on. Bars that what? Send me some, <laughs> yo, text me more of the bars from that song real quick. Yeah. We're wrapping up this interview. I want to wrap these bars. Please send them right now. Yo, how Wake up, Matt. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can't hear you, Steve. Yo, can you send me some more bars, please? Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to listen to it. Send it right now, real quick. Thanks, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yo, so what do you feel about now that you have Castle, <laughs> that ghostwriter shit, man? What do you feel nah, about? I mean, I'm not a rapper, but, but you know, you there's a project whole, we're doing. What do you feel about the whole ghostwriter thing? Man? I mean, to be honest with you, it's been going on for a long time. I mean, that's the music industry. That's it's the music, music business. That's music industry 101, right? There's so many huge writers out here that, you know, writing major songs for major artists that, you know, get their publishing and get their credit on the split sheets, but some people don't even know about them. Right. A lot of these artists don't write their stuff. Right. But when you meet a guy like Russ who writes his own stuff and produces his own stuff and engineers his own stuff, you know, and more and more now these artists are just becoming more savvier. But in the past, there's tons of songwriters out here like Dion, like, uh, Diane Warren, Diane Warren, mm-hmm. Pooh Bear. Yeah. Come on, like, there's tons of writers out there that, you know, never became an artist but write major hits. There's more so, writers out there getting more money than the artist. So you think hip hop takes itself too seriously with regards to that, man? Yeah. 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 We put too much pressure on everybody, man. I just feel like people in hip hop need to make have an end game and they need to be consistent and they need to be themselves. Yeah. And they need to stay true to themselves and not sell their soul just for the moment. There's tons of artists out right now because of the power of the internet, but how many of them will have longevity? Right. That's Scott Storch calling. Wow. Okay. Yo, so listen, man, tell the internets where they can find you. The internets, you know, and I love that, you know, when you guys say the internets, mm-hmm. because that's, I guess that's the new millennium that we're in. Um, and again, I, I come from rolls of quarters and a beeper and a payphone to now, you know. Man, shit. I, can't, I can't believe I listened to fucking Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five on the stoop in 1979. And here I am now <laughs> doing podcasts. What the fuck is, I, you know, I shouldn't be here. I mean, I had my podcast live <laughs> with Steve Lobel. I never yeah. thought I was going to do it and it, it was successful. But, there you, go. you know, you guys can find me like, look, man, I'm, you know, us sitting in this room talking, we have resumes. We have stripes. Yes, we do. We have stories. We have knowledge. We have experience. And that's what I try to tell people, like, build a legacy. Build your resume. Build the stripes, right? So you could Google me. You know, there's a bunch of stuff on the Internet. You know, my Instagram is WeWorking. I throw a lot of throwbacks up that, thank God, I have. Um, my, my Twitter is Steve Lobel. My Facebook is, you know, Steve Lobella, A to Z Entertainment. I named my company A to Z Entertainment because I've done every aspect of the music industry from being a hype man to uh, being an A&R to do radio promo Road to be manager. a manager. Everything. There's so many aspects of the music industry people don't even get to know. I got some more bars. Some more I've bars. been working since Juicy J and Run DMC. Rest in peace, Jam Master J, Mommy Lobel, and Easy E. You know, so I'm, I'm you Woo! know. 
yo. Getting some more, you know. Yo, he, yeah. He's trying to give us more. There was in line about, you know, about Nipsey and Big. It was a whole. I, he got me doing a, a bunch of a bunch of rapping, man. Right. And the song's gonna come out, and we played to people like, damn, this shit's hot. So I guess you know I could be the ghost rapper. No one even know it's me. No, that's crazy, man. I don't know. These days you never know what's gonna work. It's a free for all, man. Listen, man. Listen at this in this day and age. Look at what Rob Markman just did, man. Like you know what I'm saying, you could be a, in a music industry insider one day and an artist the next day, man. It's all about your dreams. Right? Yo, shout out to Rob because I just hit him to go while I'm in New York to his barbecue, rap yeah. genius. But I didn't even know we started rapping. Yeah. Listen, man. You know I was always told I was gonna be nothing. Mm-hmm. I was always like the token person but the non-token mm-hmm. oh you're the biggest loser you're not going to be able to make it i mean i'm self-made i'm self-taught you know one of my biggest accomplishments was building a house and owning a house mm-hmm. you know i didn't know where i was going to wind up and be so at the end of the day you know, like i try to keep a positive attitude and keep positivity around me a lot of negativity i have to deal with but you know my negativity is real so people take it as negative and when people tell you you can't do what you want to do in life or fulfill your dreams, tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't happen overnight. Patience and sacrifice equals yep. success. Yep. And that's why we tell people to always remain humble because you can't be hot forever. Mm-hmm. You can go talk to Mike Tyson about that. You can go talk to Charles Oakley about that. Jordan Bunch Hunter. of people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. you know, like, that's why we say, like, respect people for their soul and their mind, not for their watch, not for their car, not for how much money they have. Because I know broke people are incredible people. I know rich people are scumbags. Yeah. So you have to do it like that. But, you know, there's some more lines, but I'm just waiting for them. But it is what it is, man. So I'm going to repeat it one more time. I've been working since Juicy J and Run DMC. Rest in peace, Jam Master J, Mommy, Lil Bell, and Easy. I'm the one that get cowed as first major key. Check my throwback on my IG. You could check and see. We working. We working. And, probably, and it's probably some more. Stay tuned for that song. It'll be on Spotify, iTunes, all the digital platforms. And so on and so forth. Keep out that book, too, to coach out last the player. Yeah, I'm going to do that digitally, and I'm going to do that a hard copy for there the OGs go. and stuff. You know what I mean? There you go, man. Um, God is great, man. Yes, sir. Steve Lobel, man. Thank you so much, man. It's about time. Thank you. Yeah. King. That was a that was a fire episode. Yeah. I need bars from you, though. Me? At some point. Man, I got some bars, but they they. Yeah, we're going to do year-end bars. I got to write some new bars. We gotta, we're going to get combat I've, to spit I've, some year-end bars. I've been working on my freestyle because a nigga is wild. When I come here, I used to be the only child. I mean, I got yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, You know, Reg, I want to salute you, man, because, you, man. you know, we know the combat joke. Combat Jack show, but I know you as Reggio say. Yes, sir. And, you know, you've been part of hip-hop history for a long time and being an attorney and so on and so forth. And, you know, again, you know, you're keeping the culture moving and keep keeping it going. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. And King, you know, Absolute. you're the young boy, and, you know, you're just following in our footsteps. You know what I mean? You're always humble. You're always he, willing he, to he, learn he, he, he and always, listen. And he, holds, he holds it down, though. He's always willing to listen. You know, I remember a rap that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, I'll never forget this. You know, DMC used to drive around a big black blazer, man. And, Remember that shit. And drink 40 ounces. You know, he's like big black blazer, strong, the attic of Asia. But I got some more. Here we go. I've been working <laughs> since large. This is, so we go like this, right? Yeah. The flow. My man Matt's going, I've been working since large professor of main sauce. I've been working since Russell Simmons had rushed tours. Full force, Dave Mays, Benzino at the sauce. Ooh. I could coordinate anything, even a hard verse from Scott Storch. Bars. Yo, so, when, when is this record coming out, man? When is this record yo, coming out, man? Yeah, I got to do a video for soon, this Soon, bro. Yeah, and it's crazy because we got Scott rapping on this song, bro. That's crazy, man. And it's crazy because Scott and, and Khalil, DJ Khalil did the beats, you know? Yeah. And it was just crazy, man. I don't know. Matt Fingers was coming up with that. I feel like there's nothing like in life you can't do. 
and there's so much more that I want to do. Yeah. I want to get in sports, so I might become a sports agent. Man, do it. Or sports management do or it. something like do that. It. Movies, everything, man. World's a little. Yeah, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, I'm doing a documentary. You know, there was one person I always wanted to meet, uh, and he passed away. Um, he, he had a, a documentary his way. I don't know if you ever seen his way. And damn, I, no, I haven't seen. How it. could I not? How can I forget his? Look it up, man. His name, it's, his way. Um, holy Jerry Weintraub. Okay. Yo, if you yo listen, guys, it's, everybody out there, the internet, classic music cat. Yeah, Jerry Weintraub. Yeah. You have to watch his way. It's a documentary. It's amazing how he started in the mailroom at William Morris, mm-hmm. and then became Frank Sinatra, and Elvis's manager. Mm. It's a real music doc. Right. It's crazy, man. I'm doing a documentary based off that. That's dope. Um, I've, I'm doing some more reality TV okay. stuff, and you know, I know we got to go. I got one more. You ready? One more. One you more. If you don't know about the Juice Crew, hip hop don't know you. You don't know about NWA, hip hop don't know you. You don't know about the Sugar Hill Gang, hip hop don't know you. Hip hop don't. Hip hop don't know about hip hop. We about to show you. So you know. So I, I think that sounds like is is direct response to Lonzo Ball, man. Nah, this was done a while ago, okay. though. You know. But does it apply, man? When somebody says that, you know, nobody gives a fuck about Nas anymore. Does that apply, man? Um, to be honest with you, brother, brothers, um, everybody has an opinion. Yeah. And I keep saying only God could judge. So you know that that's someone who's around him, and I just saw him. I met him and his father and his and, and his brothers, and you know, teach his own. But I feel like people need to educate people because. He's rapping now. And if you're rapping and you're in the music industry, should know who's who. Yeah. Again, the younger generation ain't listening to Nas, maybe. Or they ain't listening to Run DMC. They ain't listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony. That's cool. We get but that. the music is still timeless. Yeah. Are you going to be around 10 years from now making music? 20 years Or from a now. lot of these artists that exactly. are around right now making music, are they going to be around? Like Kendrick Lamar, I know him as K-Dot. He used to be J-Rock's hype man. Which Been on tour with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now I'll see him win all these Grammys and American Music Awards. Like, come on. So you never know. But just make music that's timeless. Respect the who's who. Salute them. Like I always tell people, like, let's salute people while they're alive and acknowledge them, not when they die. Like Prodigy, like, you're going to salute them now, but why don't we salute people and do different things to salute people while they're alive and, and healthy and on this earth? Well said, sir. And that's why I try to do that. Yes, sir. And keep the and keep the the, the needle going as far as the culture, because we part of the culture, and we're we're trying to keep the culture alive. Yes, sir. And if we let these people just try to keep running the culture, we're gonna hit a fucking dead end. Yeah. We don't we don't we don't need hip hop as dead, man. We need hip hop as alive. Yeah. Yo, Steve, yeah. man, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Internets, you know what it is, man. I mean, Steve already said it, man. Dream those dreams and then man up. Woman up and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surrounds sound. Bars. Peace. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Appreciate that, man. I appreciate you. This episode of the Combat Jack Show is produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King, and this is an official Loudspeakers Network production. I'm dead. I'm really mad y'all made me do that. I'm so mad right now. Please don't post that anywhere. I'm so mad at y'all. Bop, bop.